as we were saying, uh, we had technical difficulties. We've reconnected, so I will merge these two together. Um, it may sound really bad, but we're going to do our best to get this baby done. So, um, so uh, hopefully, technology works. So, as I was saying, we've had you as a clinician. Just talk to me a little bit, Natasha, about your involvement in intramural basketball. How long have you been involved in that? Well, uh, intramural basketball started for me with uh, uh, undergrad at Eastern Michigan University. And I actually got involved mainly because my brother had worked in the recreation department there and introduced me to the Emerald director. Um, from that point, in short, uh, we just kind of, you know, I met a lot of great friends and we came to a point um, just as a intramural department, a lot of what we had to learn was how to manage our peers. And yeah. that just kind of started my love for not only intramurals and why I'm working now in this profession of re recreation intramurals, but um, all of the things that I learned from officiating uh, came because of that wonderful job opportunity. Um, and uh, I try my best with the folks that I mentor you know, to share those stories. As most people say, I have a lot of stories, which I do. Um, but there's a lot of learning lessons in there. And there's also a lot of development uh, pieces. Um, and much of it is what we deal with in officiating, uh, trying to manage emotions, trying to um, manage different personalities, trying to understand how, what we say, what we do, uh, when we blow a whistle or don't blow a whistle, how it impacts the game. And it impacts the people we are either working with or at times we may feel that we're working against. Mm. So uh, that's that's really what intramurals um, has kind of taught me from the time I started in undergrad. So walk us through um, a typical day in the intramural season. You know, obviously, these are different times now. But you know, yeah. a guy like me, you know, I never I, I never had a chance to experience intramural basketball or intramural officiating. So um, I I had to you know learn how to officiate officiate, and I was taught by some people that came up through the intramural program, but I feel like intramural program is hot and heavy right now. It's, it's really taking off and we, we're seeing a lot of college students, you know, buy into this, you know, for a few extra bucks, but I mean, they're elevating to a, to a higher level. Yeah. So a typical kind of day with intramurals, um, which it has evolved over the years, um, mainly is, <laughs> We will have um, sports that are traditional in the fall semester and sports are additional in the, the um, uh, spring semester. If you're operating off semesters, obviously quarters, which there's quarters still exist in a lot of college settings. Mm -hmm. um, those are a little different, but it's usually we will give one or two kind of like team sports. So it's like football, basketball, soccer, uh, volleyball, softball, those kind of sports. Um, but how it has um, evolved is now most of those in the profession as either directors, associate directors, or coordinators, um, most of us have an advanced level of learning, meaning we are current high school, collegiate, um, or we have advanced to semi-pro, or we work all of those. And so the exposure that we have received, we pass that on to our students. Mm. And so now students have access to materials and videos and levels of thinking and mindsets 
that I know I didn't have when I was a student. And so what, what is happening in, in essence is the more educated the director, associate director, or coordinator, now the more educated are the intramural students. And we have seemed to, across the country, built this kind of love and passion um, for training and development, and the students are eating it up. Mm-hmm. And now there's more of them who are saying, hey, officiating is something that I can do, and many are striving to do it on the um, level of this is their job. Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously those opportunities have become more abundant. And so kind of one way on how it's really changed is last year during the NBA Summer League, out of the officials, and I don't know how many they had on their roster, but out of the officials that I saw on a consistent basis all those nights when they were working and it was great to see them work, I would say there were at least 10 that I recognize who came from intramural programs because I had the honor of actually evaluating them when we had intramural regional tournaments, which take place throughout the country. And then I've been an active uh, person involved. Actually, I think now I'm the long, longest tenured <laughs> mm. professional for intramurals at our intramural championship level. Um, and uh, so that in itself, I think, speaks to how intramurals has changed, but also how it is having an influence in allowing younger officials, um, mainly by age to some extent, giving them that opportunity. And now that they're getting it, they're taking full advantage. And um, I have to say it was proud moments when you're watching and you're like, oh my God, I evaluated them and I got a chance to know them and they're really good people. Um, So that's really how it has changed that exposure in education has made a huge difference. Um, and obviously in the long run, it just makes the students better. And that's the ultimate goal uh, of what it is that we try to do here in higher education. So, And, and this is uh, my own, obviously this is me looking from the outside in. You know, I know when I started refereeing, because I didn't have intramurals, it was, I had about 10 minutes of training before I actually had a referee first game. I feel like, you know, the you, you intramural programs, before they even referee their first game, you could be looking at upwards of 10, 20, 30 hours of training before you even step on the floor or field or whatever that might be. Am I correct in saying that? You are very correct in saying that. So I'll, I'll give you an example. Before I came to the University of Kentucky, I worked at uh, Millersville University in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is known, the county, Lancaster, is known for home of the Amish. So mm-hmm. as you can kind of tell, we had pretty much a very diverse environment, not only in the school setting and the university setting, but immediately outside of that. Um, and it was a great environment to learn. But in that program, uh, that particular school was a Division two school. We had probably about, time, time I was there, maybe about 8,000 students. When I got there, the sole purpose of part of the reason I got hired was my experience, obviously but to build more on the officiating program. So we went from what they were used to, which was probably about two days of training, um, hopefully get a scrimmage in, to I set it up where we jumped all the way to four days of training for flag football um, and for basketball. Obviously, you have to have the budget to do that, but you've got to get creative on how to do that. And then I incorporated more scrimmages because students, just like us, when we're not in a university setting, we learn better <laughs> when we're able to get out there and actually do it. 
So now at the University of Kentucky, um, depending on the year, but we generally for flag football and basketball have six days of training. And out of those six, we try to make at least two or three of those days scrimmages. Um, We've also kind of changed the way in which we train, meaning there's been a couple of years we've done advanced training for the officials who have been here for the longest time, right? So they don't get bored. Mm. We've done beginner training. Um, And then the other pieces in that, once again, more scrimmages. Uh, Some years we've made it where it's the very basics because we understand and we kind of meet our students where they are. Um, The addition to that is there are more workshops now that you can go to uh, in which you pay 60 bucks to 80 bucks. You're able to take your students. It covers the registration. They get three days of training at a workshop and the opportunity to scrimmage. Um, they get a chance to have food paid for Mm. that covers their hotel cost. So there's a lot of opportunities, but yes, you are absolutely correct that these students have an opportunity in many programs, even if they're not the size of a university of Kentucky to get in more training before quote unquote, the games really count, Mm. um, in terms of what the students want to win that intramural championship shirt. Um, but, uh, it, it makes a difference. Um, and they also go in feeling more comfortable as we know, confidence, uh, in being comfortable and them understanding that we have their back if they make a mistake or if someone needs to get assessed a technical foul or a flag needs to be thrown or a penalty that we have their back. So we really try to build that environment of support and learning and development. Yeah, because this is, again, my feeling, I feel like we, we don't get the best product from officials no matter what sport yeah. when they're doing it scared oh, when, God, yes. when, when we're working scared we we're not as productive i don't care if that's in officiating or if that's you know being a nurse right. whatever that profession is if you're doing it scared there's a real chance you're not going to be as productive as you can be so yeah. i think that's a great tool um you know the you know i guess the the analogy would be it's kind of like here here's some train wheels we're still going to let you ride the bike, but don't worry, you're not going to tip over. And even if you do, it's going to be a very soft landing. So that's, yeah. that's, that's good to hear. And I think that would, to me, that would keep a little, keep a few more people involved for the next year or the mm-hmm. year after where in the real, you know, the non-intramural world, you know, if I have a bad season or if I have three or four bad games and I'm just learning, you know, it's sayonara, I'm out, you know, right. Yeah, I think that's really good. That's, that's it would be great. I'm going to speak off the cuff here for a second, but it would be great if we could develop that type of training for everyone who officiates, not just college athletes or yeah. you know, college students. So yeah, no, I agree. I, I don't know how that works, <laughs> but <laughs> I think that would be great if we could do that. So, um, so, so, Obviously, I said in, in your introduction that you run many study groups. You've been a clinician. Um, how, how does that, you know, what's that look like for you to be, you know, running study groups? You know, do you get, you know, a little bogged down by that? You know, with it, with you know, okay, it's my eight-hour job, and now I guess when I now I got to do it for another two more hours, a couple nights a week, and now I got to spend a weekend being a clinician. You know, how, how does that how does that feel for you? You know, what's your process there? Well, um, it's kind of that old adage. I've been doing it so long. 
that I think I kind of just make those adjustments. You know, mm -hmm. it's like when the season comes up, you go, okay, travel's going to increase. My body's got to adjust to this. It's like, oh, we're doing this again. Mm -hmm. um, but I will say in regards to the study sessions, um, it kind of comes out of the, I want to say my foundation in officiating. I mean, I was the one who was fortunate to get kind of put with a lot of really, really good old school officials. And uh, being in Michigan, where I grew up, um, I got a chance to officiate tons of AAU tournaments throughout the <laughs> suburbs of Detroit, Detroit. And man, you want to talk about just getting thrown to the wolves. But um, I had a lot of great support in those games. And I was one of the rare females that was working those games. So I majority of the games were, were boys games. So, mm. you know, at that time, the climate, um, I don't think was as open as it is now. Um, I think now when um, females kind of come out on the court to officiate a boys game, you know, the boys just look and they go, ah, she's another official, whatever, where mm. it was like to some extent anomaly <laughs> <laughs> when, I, when I was doing it. Um, but, you know, it, it's just one of those things. So with that being said, having that foundation um, of some really just great officials, you know, I really was drawn to you finish doing the game and you all go out to eat and then you use the salt and pepper shakers on the table or the ketchup mm -hmm. or whatever. And you draw up plays and you would talk and you would really get into the mindset of officiating you know how do we manage this okay that's great you want to make that call you need to understand when you make that call that coach is going to go off and when that coach goes off you got to decide whether or not his actions or her actions should result in a technical foul and how all of that impacts the game and so i start with that foundation and then as i move through my officiating career uh ultimately in short i wanted to continue that and, and I really fed off of that. So when I was in Pennsylvania, kind of the mid-Atlantic, I still got that, that same feel. And that was when I was at Millersville University. And then when I moved here to Kentucky, I realized, man, within the city of Lexington and the surrounding areas, there are four top NCAA women's basketball officials who mm. have all worked <laughs> the finals. And mm. I want to tap in to their mindset into what they do the challenge in that there were certain things they did and they provided all kind of support no doubt but they all were officiating full time so for them you know that's their life that's their job and it, it, it made it challenging um in particular just kind of that lifestyle to be able to set up you know study sessions on a consistent basis and all that so ins said there's a need not only did i need it but I felt there was a need for a lot of the officials I was getting a chance to know. And I said, you know what? If someone's got to do it, I have the experience to do it because I do it in my full-time job. So we're going to go that route. So ironically, <laughs> what I've done in the study sessions have actually helped in my full-time job in terms of kind of pushing the envelope of what we do in our programs. And that's part of the reason why, for me, even every semester we run basketball twice uh, we run flag football in the fall, and then we've done a short version with less people out on the field in the spring. Even those two contrasting kind of semesters, we still offer different material so the students don't get bored. 
Um, and so I've had, I have a library of video that's obviously built up. It probably could be a bit organized than what I have it. <laughs> um, but I also have other aspects and I, and I have to give credit to, I'm very fortunate to have four graduate assistants. Um, mm. I'm one of the rare intramural programs in the country might be the only that has four graduate assistants. So I have to thank UK for that because they've had the system set up since the eighties. Um, wow. but that is an opportunity for me to allow when those moments were either uh, the intramural program needs a little more support and encouragement. And we want to do these extra programs in projects that my grads step up. That is part of their assistantship first and foremost uh, mm-hmm. to teach and, and, and whatnot and develop. But then on the other hand of that, it does free me to do some other things, which I turn around and give back to my program uh, because of the experience that I have. So, um, it's kind of an old hat for me, but I always try to make sure to do something different. And now with the study groups, um, I've been doing these um, really hardcore for probably the last three years going into the fourth year. And now we have folks in the study group who are asking to step up and do mm-hmm. presentations. And so that obviously allows me to breathe a little bit. And I truly appreciate and enjoy watching them take ownership of their own path and then obviously teach to your peers. Um, Mm. And when you do that, it is, I think sometimes people don't understand regardless of how much you put in just like yourself to your podcast and mentoring people and all that in those moments, us as the mentors are the ones who are providing that opportunity. We learn so much from someone else, Mm -hmm. you know, even if they're just listening or they just ask simple questions or they ask the complicated ones we learn so much from them. And, and so it, you know, you get, you're getting it back. You're getting all that goodness that you're putting out and, and whatnot back. And for that, I don't mind if I have to, you know, stay awake a little longer or commit a little longer to some project because um, the result is, is so rewarding. You just can't not have it, you know? I think, yeah, I think that's great. Um, one of the, the questions that comes to my mind is you talk about that. And it is really nice to be able to, you know, help plug into these, uh, you know, these other officials and pour into them and help them develop. And, you know, the phrase I used to always use and I still use often is, you know, well, if we'll just keep it in the officiating realm, I may never get to the final four. Yeah. But if I can help someone get to the final four, exactly. it's just it's just like being there. Yeah. So and I think if we can stay in that type of mindset, you know, whatever that may be. So, you know, for that for that, you know, that high school official that's listening now and say, oh, yeah, I may never get to Division one basketball. But if you can help someone get to Division one basketball, yeah. it's just like being there. And that's that is truly how our. Um, especially our officiating world works, you know, mm-hmm. and the, the, the thought I always like to say is, you know, people aren't going to knock on your door and say, here, I'm here to educate you. Right. It's going to take, it's going to take some courage from the official, whoever that is to, to step out and go, Hey, can you help me with these situations? Because uh, people, the officiating world is full of Natasha Harrison's and Jeff Crosses. It's full mm-hmm. of them. We just, we're just not pulling that out of them. Um, so when I, when I say all that, I'm asking you this question, what are you doing to, you know, to encourage people to step out and ask for help, whether it be from you or from other officials? 
Well, I think you just have to have that honest conversation. So let's take the current position that we're in, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, We're in a pandemic. We don't know um, how sports are going to look, particularly in the non-professional level. We don't know how the sports are going to look. And so (laughs) this is something I've already told people in the study group. And I was saying this when everything kind of broke out and pretty much March is kind of around here where it really started to have an impact on the university. I was telling folks in the study group and others that I know who are really great colleagues and friends. So what are you going to do so that you're prepared to jump out on that court when you haven't officiated a game in six months? Mm-hmm. How, how are you going to do that? And um, many didn't have an answer. And I said, well, here's, here's a couple suggestions if you hadn't thought about it. I said, one, if you really think that we're going to be blowing a whistle when the entire thing of COVID-19 is spreading droplets or being around people when they sneeze or, you know, just the fact that stuff is in the air. I said the whole purpose of a whistle when you blow it is <laughs> as we as we teach our younger officials, you got to spit into the thing mm. or to get that sound to come out. Right. So if you're if you're doing that, then you're spreading droplets. So what do you think you're going to have to do? I said, electronic whistles. We're going to end up starting using those. And I remember some of them were like, yeah, I didn't think of that. And so one of the things I've already started doing is I've bought two electronic whistles for myself. I actually had them already in my program is I started to do court work in which I physically, because our recreation centers closed down, but I physically get out in the court. I've always done this physically get out in the court make your movements from lead, make your movements from trail, make your movements from center, run the court. Um, you know, say I'm going to call a, a, a blocking file, the basket counts, and now I got to report it. Well, try to do that with an electronic whistle that you have to hold in your hand because it doesn't go around your neck. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. I want to look good and feel comfortable mm-hmm. when I have to do that. So it's just kind of that mindset of you need to be prepared. And then the second one that I told him, which I think is very important, is 